You're listening to Understanding Disordered Eating with Rachel Heinemann. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and certified eating disorder specialist. On this weekly podcast, we talk about all things psychoanalysis and eating disorder recovery. It's a combination of interviews with experts in psychoanalysis and eating disorders and some solo episodes where it will just be the two of us. The goal of the podcast is to help you try to understand a little bit more about yourself, gain a deeper understanding for why you do the things you do, and bring you one step closer to a healthier relationship with food and yourself. Hey, 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 episode 108. Okay, all this information is really, really nice, but how do I actually start thinking about my own life in these terms? These terms meaning the deeper meaning of my relationship with food. So I have created a freebie that is a whole bunch of journal prompts for you. For those of you who are really good freeform journal people, you can just sort of take it and run with it. And for those of you who need a little bit more structure, there's an entire structured way of utilizing the journal prompts. And what it's going to do is help you jumpstart your mind to think about how you can think about some of these concepts specifically to your life. So you can head to the show notes or the website and sign up for the journal prompts. Again, completely free. Today's episode is talking about one thing that I want to say 100%, but maybe just to be safe, I'll say 95% of people who struggle with their relationship with food end up having to work on as well, or I guess (laughs) sort of interconnected, is assertiveness and boundaries. Now, a lot of you might resonate with the idea of, you know, setting more boundaries and speaking up, being more assertive because you don't really say what's on your mind and learning a little bit more assertiveness is to actually speak up a little bit more, to voice your opinion, to voice voice your boundaries. Then there are some of you that are like, (laughs) that's not my problem. And if you truly are assertive, kudos to you. That's amazing. But I guess Part of what I find in this work is that depending on where you come from, assertiveness might very much be in the wheelhouse of your goals, but coming at it from a different perspective, because there are a lot of people that say everything on their mind, or they say it in a pretty aggressive way. I know a lot of people say, oh, this person's so assertive, they always speak their mind. But that is that say everything on their mind or they say it in a pretty aggressive way. No filter. That is aggressive. Maybe not all the times, maybe just sometimes. But assertiveness is this sort of happy medium of where you're speaking your mind, but you're doing so respectfully. You're doing it in a way that's communicative and encouraging conversation. It is definitely not aggressive. So this is sort of why I say that almost 100% of the people that struggle with their relationship with food end up having to deal with this particular struggle with setting boundaries and assertiveness. And boundaries obviously are so interconnected with assertiveness, but sort of the same idea of, oh, I have such good boundaries. Maybe your boundaries are too rigid. Maybe you don't have any boundaries. But what those two have in common is we need to learn how to lay effective boundaries a little bit better. Now, in terms of what assertiveness actually is, is simply identifying what's in your mind, identify your feelings, putting words to it in a very direct and respectful way. 
So that means the choice of words, the tone, the entire vibe of the conversation. This might be controversial, but one thing that I don't necessarily consider super assertive is sending messages via text or email. I understand it's a great stepping stone for somebody who feels incredibly anxious to speak. And I say, utilize any steps that you can possibly utilize to get to a place that you can be more assertive face-to-face. But I definitely don't consider texting your thoughts and feelings to be the most direct form of communication. Choosing the venue and whatever's going on to make sense for a conducive conversation. So if things things are hectic, if it's your if you're in the middle of a party, or I don't know, if you're riding the subway together or something that doesn't feel like a a calm, safe environment that you can both sit down and really think about what's going on, that's not respectful and direct. I don't necessarily consider that either to be assertiveness. And maybe this is a little too perfect. So we never want you to wait for a perfect moment or for a perfect feeling. But in terms of what it could look like and optimal fostering of respectful conversation, we do have to pay attention to where you are, how you're talking, how angry or how emotional you are. All of those things are taken into account when we think about assertiveness. What happens is if you don't say anything, if you're the kind of person who just keeps things to yourself, then of course it's going to build up. If things don't just sort of, you know, fall away and and if you, what's that metaphor? If you like shove it under the rug or you you sort of like jam it into the closet or the freezer, that freezer trick that I have never, ever, ever done. You just sort of like close the door and hope for the best. No, it's going to build up and it's going to explode in whatever way it explodes for you. So for some people that's lashing out, That's sort of getting to the aggressive way of communicating. But I think what's most important about what this buildup does is that it ends up really disconnecting you from other people. So besides for that one, you are assertive and you speak whatever's on your mind. Again, not everything, but if you speak what's on your mind, that's appropriate for the relationship. You end up feeling more connected. You can get support. All of those things, those beautiful things that happen when you're assertive within relationships. But the opposite is true if if you don't speak up. So you feel really, really disconnected. Sort of picture someone seething because this person doesn't understand. How do they not understand? How do they not understand? I'm so angry. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. They have no clue. How can they possibly know? And I think what's really dangerous is when people assume that other people can read their minds or their body language or whatever it is. And yes, if you're acting really angry or you're acting really annoyed or sad, maybe someone can pick up on it. But the whole idea of building healthy relationships is that you can speak your truth so that the other person can support you as opposed to the other person doing this emotional labor of trying to guess what's going on, even if they have a really big, really good clue because you're just sort of wearing your emotions on your sleeve, but that they can just be them and you can just be you. And I think this ends up happening for people, usually on both sides of the spectrum. And so a lot of people end up being both people on this side of the dynamic, where either they feel like they're doing all the emotional labor within a relationship, or they're expecting the other person to read their mind, to interact with them in a way that they need without them having to say. And 
really, really is important for healthy relationships is that each person takes 50% responsibility within the relationship, which means 100% responsibility for their own stuff. Because if I am going to trust you as a person to be able to speak my truth, I need to know that you can take care of yourself, i.e. say your truth, stand up for yourself, all that stuff, so that I can say what I need to say and I don't have to be worried that you might have a reaction that you're not going to tell me. Then I have to take care of you or at least sort of try to figure out what you're thinking and jump through hoops so that I don't say something because you might be hurt because I think historically you've been hurt. And then all of a sudden we don't have a conversation. If I'm really being respectful toward a relationship, I need to speak my truth. And I need to know that the other person, I need to trust 100% that the other person is going to speak their mind as well. So I know that I can do my own assertiveness. Now, sometimes I get this, (laughs) what's the point of saying it? Nothing is going to change. And I'm just going to feel more angry and more frustrated. And I think that's something that is totally underestimated. I think the power of saying things is totally underestimated. Because when you have this sort of thing running through your mind, and and whether it's you're in the shower or you're trying to fall asleep and you run through these narratives and you yell at your boss or your mom or your friend in your mind. And you just sort of like have this whole conversation. I know I've definitely done this. So like, do not tell me you have not done this where you're really pissed off at somebody and you just have an entire conversation a million times during the shower and then you're just angry. And I think that when we say things out loud and we have them heard, of course, the best case scenario is that the person will take the feedback you know, understand us, support us, perhaps change things. But even if they don't change anything, which is the argument that I hear a lot, the value of just being heard and understood or even offered an apology with nothing actually changing is so, so valuable. And I think people really underestimate that. And I guess, to be honest, like I also underestimate that sometimes where I'm so, so angry and I'm like, what's the point? It's not gonna be, nothing's gonna be changed. I can't change the truth. That when you actually voice what's going on and the other person says, well, listen, like this is the situation. I'm really, really sorry. And and just offering some support, but not actually changing something is really, really valuable. And I think this takes me to the point that we talk about the difference between something that happens in your mind versus actuality. And I think a lot of the people that I talk to have all of these things happening in their minds, whether it's fantasy or interactions or relationships. And they think that it's, you know, just sort of going on because they've already planned out the interaction. They've already went through all the hoops in their mind. And it almost feels like it has already happened. The difference is that it just hasn't. And there's this like ever so slight shift that occurs when you take whatever is going on in your mind and you speak it out loud. I know it sounds like the smallest thing in the world, but it's it's just the weirdest thing how it becomes incredibly different. Your entire perspective shifts. Your entire level of connection and your inner experience, your emotional experience completely shifts when you say things out loud, which is also part of the point of therapy that you think that you're saying things, you think that things are happening, and all you do is voice them. It just creates 
a whole new way of looking at things, a whole new way of experiencing things just from saying things out loud. So I think that people say, I can't really say this, or I shouldn't have to say this, or I don't want to say this. And then maybe not in a super direct way, end up being dissatisfied with relationships. And the thing that so often we just sort of shift ever so slightly is the level of communication that someone has with whoever they're interacting with. And that completely shifts the dynamic of their relationships, whether it's romantic relationships or with friends or at work. And it's this wild thing that boundaries, assertiveness, communication is like the most transformative thing that you can do for yourself. Now, I guess another thing that's really, really important is, yeah, okay, so when we need to talk directly, we need to talk respectfully, we need to identify what's going on in our mind and organize it into words. Sometimes it's really, really helpful to write notes or to practice in the mirror, like no shame in that. I've certainly done that. And it's a really nice concept, but practically speaking, you actually have to have an idea of what's going on in your mind. And if you're not sure, then it's going to be impossible to put that to words. So similar to a lot of the ideas that we've talked about in terms of expressing your emotions on other episodes, this is exactly the same thing, where in order to be assertive, you need to know what's going on in your mind. And maybe this is some work that you do on the back end, where a lot of us either talk to therapists or friends or coworkers to try to organize how we're experiencing a situation. Say, classic two coworkers are sort of like, really going off about the boss. And then at a certain point, you come to an organized understanding of what happened. And then you can put to words how you're feeling, what you're thinking. And so in order to do this boundary thing, in order to be communicative and to be assertive, you need to organize what's going on in your mind first. And that could mean one of a few things, and probably all of them, I guess, is to identify the emotions because emotions is like an I feel X. That is just a thing you're feeling. It's not anything up for dispute. It's not something that makes someone feel defensive. And I'm not saying, I feel like you're being an asshole. That is not a feeling. I feel sad. I feel anxious. That's what I mean by an emotion. And I don't mean any thoughts. Like, I feel like you're hurting me. Or I feel like I'm right. You know, things like that. Even if you just keep it I statements. I feel blank. Emotion is the only thing that fits in that blank. And of course, you know, to keep it on to the me, I statements, this is how I experienced what occurred so that we minimize somebody else's, I guess, defensiveness so that they can actually hear what we're saying and then to stick in what you need from them. So it might just be that you need them to understand. You would like an apology. You would like for your salary to be raised. You would like to restructure the work schedule, whatever it might be, to ask for what you need, which of course requires you to think about this before. And I think sometimes people think that it's totally unorganic, which I guess isn't a word, but who cares? If you have to think about it before and talk about it and then write it down and open up your notes app and then practice in front of the mirror and get on your phone practice again. But I think that that's the thing that builds your ability to be able to do this. So no shame in that. Maybe over time, you get a little bit more comfortable and you stop needing to practice that much. But it's always good to have points if it's something that you're really feeling anxious about. 
and keeping it on yourself and stating what you need is going to be really, really important. Now, the other part of being direct and respectful is actually being respectful. So when the person responds, especially if they're not doing it in an assertive way, they're, they are being more aggressive. To stand up for yourself, you can be a broken record and say the same thing over and over and over and over and over again until you get what you need or you just leave the situation. That I would actually recommend if you said the same thing over and over and over and over again, not even deviating from your script whatsoever. But I think when somebody else has an opinion and they say something, especially if they say it in what feels like a pretty respectful way back, it is important to be able to continue that conversation while and and it's probably going to be incredibly uncomfortable but being respectful and i think that's the issue so often these days especially with this social media banter back and forth you know people sort of hiding behind their phones is that we aren't respectful anymore we aren't thinking about how can we foster conversation how can we become more connected we are disconnecting from each other we are being aggressive we're not even sharing what we're feeling or what we need from the other person And it is so, so important to identify why are you even being assertive? What's the purpose? Probably to feel more connected, probably to feel more organized internally. And so the respect, yes, goes from the beginning part of the assertiveness, but also needs to carry through the rest of the conversation. Now, part of the parallels here with eating disorders is that very often people communicate via their eating disorder, which is the direct opposite of assertiveness. If I'm going to use behaviors to communicate anything, whether it's anger, loneliness, you know, whatever I might be communicating, pain even, just to let somebody know that I'm not okay, that is not using words to share what's going on. And so when we hide behind behaviors to communicate, it then disconnects us. So going back to the original point of assertiveness and communication is the thing that builds connection and ends up really helping us with our relationships when we hide behind our behaviors. With the eating disorder, then we ultimately drive a wedge between us and other people. And it also goes back to the point of we need to be able to stand up for ourselves in order to trust the other person and vice versa. Because if the other person doesn't know that we're going to speak up for ourselves, we might use behaviors or be a little aggressive, they won't be able to be honest with us. So it happens both ways. And I think that this uh, utilizing behaviors to communicate really erodes this ability to be honest with ourselves and the trust in the other person, really vice versa, the other person to trust us in that they won't trust you to be able to hold yourself in this conversation if you're continuing to use behaviors. Which obviously I know that this is a lot easier said than done. So this is all like great information. And I think that ultimately part of when we take this even deeper into our psychodynamics is What makes it difficult for me to be assertive? Do I actually believe that the other person will listen to me? And why do I believe that? How are these beliefs holding me back? Where do they come from? And how can I work through the past that has built these beliefs and tear them down in order to create new ones? And of course, shameless plug for therapy again, when you do this with your therapist, the therapist, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully, can be a more neutral person and somebody who can tolerate even in the times when you are aggressive or not communicating and be able to build that skill while being curious as opposed to, you know, any other person in your life when you're doing that, they will probably get pissed off. So I would really encourage you to think of how you can incorporate a little bit more assertiveness 
maybe not in a perfect way, preferably not in a perfect way, a little bit more assertiveness into your life and how the lack of assertiveness actually goes hand in hand with your eating disorder as opposed to the other way around. The assertiveness goes hand in hand with recovery. So I would encourage you to think about how that shows up with you and your life. You made it to the end. Thank you for listening. Every single one of your downloads means so much to me. If this conversation is leaving you wanting more, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. You'll have the opportunity to reply back directly to me over there. Can't wait to see you in your inbox.